Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, I think we have a great show lined up for today. Very timely information, as usual. You know, we're going to start off here talking about the, your own worst enemy in the stock market, right? Yeah, that's yourself. Look in the mirror. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the brain is wired um, in a very unique way. We're going to dive into this. This is uh, an interesting topic here from Market Watch, and um, you know, we kind of have we're kind of predisposed uh, emotionally not to do well in the stock market, and we see that um, stock markets up, down, sideways, and people get emotional and make uh, you know decisions that harm them long term. So we're going to dive into the psychology of that a little bit. We're going to be psychology doctors today. <laughs> That's right. And it is very interesting how your own emotions and psychology actually works against you mm-hmm. with investing. So uh, that's a very timely topic because we're, we're seeing a lot, of, a lot of pundits coming out about the stock market these days that are driving up emotions. And then we're going to follow that up, though, with home security, how to protect yourself. Um, this, again, is very timely. We've been talking about protecting your identity Mm -hmm. and protecting yourself online. So now we're going to talk about protecting your physical assets, your own property. And it's very timely because we had a security incident just yesterday (laughs) that we'll talk about when we get to that subject. So uh, very interesting and timely subject. But before we jump into that, um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years experience Dividing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro, and I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every week on Friday afternoons. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have the links to all the podcasts. We have the historical podcasts, a lot of different topics out there. Uh, we also have videos. We mentioned that uh, last week. We have some new videos out there, so go check those out. We talk about some pretty interesting topics and some common questions as well that we get. And uh, we have a Facebook page, so we post videos out there. So we're trying to do a lot of education, um, kind of in the Dave Ramsey you know, mode. Um, certainly not as good as Dave from a, a broadcast at this point, but we're working towards it. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of good resources on our website as well. So do check us out there and look at our videos. And you can email us from our website. You can link to us or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, before we jump into the show here, you know, we got to talk about football. It is that time of the year. Yeah, the Gamecocks are undefeated. Did, Which did, is unbe- I, unbelievable. Isn't, isn't, it, it, isn't that great? After two whole games. Hey, imagine that. I'll take it. I'll take it. We've <laughs> had two two challenging games That's and um, another one this week. And you guys had a great win last week versus Auburn. So we uh, sure did. It's yeah. a fun fun time of the year. It's um, you know, very it's kind of mixed in with all the craziness with the hurricanes and right. you know, you look at all the devastation, it kind of puts all the, you know, stuff in perspective when you look at people's it, lives that are changed. It does. I mean, football is only a game after all, right. but uh Fun one, nonetheless, and we got some great games coming up here. We're yes, going to we be do. we're going to be on the road at Louisville and facing Lamar Jackson. So we'll get to yeah. see, you know, what our defense can really do. That's right. It'll be fun. It will. It will. A great time of the year. Um, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is um, kind of looking back at history a little bit, Steve. And and people ask us all the time, you know, should I invest? Um, 
and individual stocks or mutual funds. We're big believers in mutual funds. Um, when you look at individual stocks, um, you know, you can do very well in them, but you can also lose all your money. One of the oldest financial companies in the nation went bankrupt, um, you know, about, about, uh, seven, about nine years ago, back in 2008, uh, Lehman brothers, it was 158 year old company no longer exists. So if you had your money in that one, in those bonds or in the stocks, you came away with nothing. Still by far the largest bankruptcy of all times, Mm -hmm. Lehman Brothers. Um, Yeah. And then after that, you know, if you remember back in the financial crisis, they immediately started bailing out the companies that were on the brink. So a scary time. That was quite, quite a time in the history of our economy and of our, of the stock market. So, uh, just goes to show there's no company that's safe out there. If you're investing in individual stocks, anything can happen. Yeah, technology is the game changer today. You saw Amazon buying Whole Foods a couple of months ago. Right. Kroger stock dropped 25% in you know, a matter of a day or two. So you just never know with an individual stock. It is actually riskier than it is uh, investing in mutual funds. Exactly. So that's why you need to be diversified. We recommend you spread your money out in a lot of different asset classes and be diversified within each asset class. That's the key. If you're really well spread out, you can substantially lower your risk and give yourself a better chance of getting market rates of return when markets do go up. So uh, great financial fact of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is how to avoid being your own worst enemy in the stock market. Yeah, this comes from uh, Market Watch and uh, pretty interesting topic, Steve. You know, there's a lot of a lot of positive um, information out there about the uh, tax reforms, infrastructure spending. Um, you know, some of that's fading. Um, you know, there's some concern about those going through. Valuations by some people's measures are rich, and a lot of pundits are telling you to sell the stocks ahead of further declines. Like they really know um, that declines are coming. So, exactly. um, but this might be a big mistake, especially if you you know you'd be taking profits. The obvious reason is that um, there really might not be weakness. I mean, no one can can call the market. We don't know if it's going up or going down from here. Uh, the key is is you know be diversified, have a good plan, and um, you know. But there's a bigger problem here in the mix, and it's your brain. It's how you think and how you're wired. Yeah, that darn brain. It gets in the way of a lot of good decisions. It, it? it does. The sad truth is that your brain is hardwired um, to to make your own worst enemy in the stock market. And you know, the temptation, um, you know, you might feel to to sell ahead of you know expected market weakness really highlights a couple of our, our biggest psychological shortcomings as investors. And the first one is called the, the disposition effect. Yeah, this is interesting. You know, we've known for decades that investors tend to sell winners too early and they hold their losers too long. Um, but recent research by Gary Friedman, an assistant professor at the USC Marshall School of Business, helps explain why. And what he says is his findings show that your brain is probably plotting to defeat you right now as the pundits warn of a pullback. Um, you know, it could, you could he- better help navigate the current market if you understood why, and that's what we're going to go into. Yeah, so there was actually this gentleman did a study. He uh, had um, the, the, some people trade stocks, and they hooked them up to a, an MRI machine. And the, the finding was is that typically people um, sold to take gains um, and when they did that, their, a portion of their brain actually lit up. So to get the gain, 
made them um, feel good. They got a thrill out of it from selling. But if they just held their rising position, there wasn't the same increase in activity. Um, so there is an extra kick for from selling for a gain. It's all about that little bit of dopamine I or guess. adrenaline or something, yeah. right? Never, never really knew that. This is interesting that that you get more of a a thrill from from selling a gain versus just holding it and having it on paper. Uh, the upshot is that people are, are predisposed to take profits for the psychic reward or the pleasure it brings. And weirdly, we we don't get the same reward um, from watching profitable positions turn more profitable. Um, you know, so it's interesting. If you think about that, um, it's the thrill. Like you said, there's a chemical reaction that's going on in the brain. That's and, right. And if you can like, you know, recognize that that's going on, it can help you with making some of your decisions. Yeah. I've always told Kathy, it's kind of like when I check something off my to-do list, you know, I get a little surge, you know, a little happiness. One down. There. One down. Exactly. And I think people get the same thing when they locked in a gain in the stock market, but it it unfortunately is not always the best move to be trading at all. Um, in fact, you know, the problem with all of this is that it, that what research has shown is it's often better to simply buy and hold stocks through all the twists and turns of the stock market as they advance, you know, as Warren Buffett has often preached. Um, and by selling what you do is you trigger a tax bill that eats into your wealth as well. So you have a tax obligation as a result of selling. Um, and so if your exclusive goal is to maximize your financial return, then trading to get this psychic kick will lower your returns, they say, and actually hurt you instead of help you. Yeah, another big problem is that if you sell, you you very well may miss out on a lot of gains ahead because um, you know the second way which your brain plots to defeat you, and it's called the repurchase effect. But you know, if you we had some some questions you know, with the election, some people uh, went more conservatively, and they've missed out on a lot of gains. Markets are up more than they're down historically, right? So trying to, trying to predict these ter- twists and turns is impossible. So one of the, the next things is the repurchase effect. If you sold too early, um, you can just jump back into the stock if it keeps going up and, and ride it for further gains. You might think so, but after that, you've probably researched the name and you know it well. But the reality is, is your brain is wired to keep you from doing this. And this is what makes your, your pre- predisposition to sell win- winners especially sinister. I mean, if you sell a stock, um, you know, and then it declines, you may buy it back, but you're probably not. Um, You're probably not going to feel comfortable that it's going to be lower. um, And ideally, that probably would be the best time for you to buy is when it goes back down. That's right. But your emotions usually won't let you do that. Um, You know, normally if it's down, you're afraid it's going to go lower. So, you know, the first steps are recognize that your emotions do play a role in um in your investing or trading decisions and after that you know these steps can help these steps we're going to talk about can help neutralize or manage your emotions when you're investing so the first step here is to not watch the market every second you know if you're tracking your stocks um trade in 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 tick by tick you're probably setting yourselves up for disaster Um, because each price movement triggers an emotion and that can make you crave more in this form of sort of entertainment. But if you stir up your emotions that way, they probably will guide you toward a mistake. So unless you're a professional trader, it's better to ignore the market, avoid the live quotes online, turn off CNBC. You don't want to play that game. It'll work against you. 
Yeah, I mean, so turn it off completely, right? Exactly. Don't 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 keep it on. Um, TV producers they know how to manipulate your emotions. Um, you know, I know in two thousand and eight when the markets were 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 going down, there was probably the highest ratings ever for CNBC. A lot of people were turned turned in. Yeah, and this is why the market commentary on TV is filled with urgent talk and screens. You know, you got those ticker parades at the bottom showing you all the ticker symbols in, in real time and. You know, it really is better just to turn off that noise, um, leave it alone. You, you can't change it. What happens in a day is not going to impact you long term. Um, you know, and another thing is, is when you log into your accounts, um, tweak the display. I mean, when you log into your account, you, know, you got your gains and losses and purchase prices. And, you know, you got, um, you know, red down arrows and green up arrows. And there's a lot of emotional activity going on there. Um, it's OK, as we've talked about through this um, security uh, phase to look at your accounts and see if there's activity in them, but don't spend a lot of time on the investment side of it, um, analyzing and looking at your investments. Exactly. And that goes along right along with the next point, and that is to avoid negativity. You know, if the market's in a swoon and you find yourself getting sucked into it emotionally, you risk selling at the bottom <clears throat> and you can make the same mistake um, and if the market's up and you can buy at the top. So you want to avoid those pitfalls so try this. When you feel that you're getting drawn into the whirlpool of emotions, mark your calendar to think about the situation in a few days, to put it off a few days. Then stop looking at the market altogether. Just turn it off like we just mentioned. You know, unfortunately, most of us do the opposite. And this leads to the this leads us down the path to the trouble as emotions get hot and suddenly you think you need more information. So you watch more financial news on TV and when you really need to just avoid all that sources, all those sources of information like the media reporting on stock prices, because those will lead you to make a bad decision. Yeah. So if you if you really have an issue with this, you can write down all the times that you've been in panic mode um, about the market. Um, you know, you can look back, start a journal, look for a pattern. You know, was it a smart thing to do that you sold? Um, you know, and also keep things difficult if you can't keep emotion out of investing, it helps to switch up how you think about investing. A basic rule in the market is that, um, you know, the best trades are the, the hardest to make emotionally. It's easy to buy a stock, um, you know, when the markets are up, right? Exactly. It's when the markets are down, you know, that's the hard piece. And so if you have some disciplined processes in there as well, we do, you know, rebalancing on a quarterly basis. And Regardless of what's happening in the market, we look for opportunities um, to sell something that's done relatively well and something put buy something that's on the bottom. Exactly. It's systematic. It's automatic. It's not a based on emotions at all. And it's based on, you know, statistics and math, if you will. And it automatically forces you to sell a little bit of what's high and buy a little bit of what's low. And that's going to help your returns. But if you trust your emotions, it's going to lead you to a bad decision you know, more times than not, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the reason is that, that we typically do better when we trade against the crowd or invest in uh, as contrarians. I mean, usually it's better to buy when everybody else is negative. Um, but if everybody's negative, you're probably going to feel negative too. So having a disciplined process um, is is important. Um, you know, being diversified. And I think the other piece that we, we, we do harp on quite a bit, Steve, is, is to have a plan. Um, when you exactly. do a retirement plan, you're kind of looking at your – resources today and what you're going to need in the future and what do you need to do between now and then. And then those retirement plans, I mean, we build in negative years. 
That's a, right. A lot of negative years because there's exactly. been negative years historically. So when there is a negative year, it doesn't just crash your plan. It's expected. It's part of the process. And if you can kind of internalize that a little bit, you can get through some of these twists and turns that we have. Yeah. And if you focus on the plan rather than the twists and turns of your investments, then you're focusing on the right thing. You're focusing on your long-term goals and your progress to those goals. And you can put it all in perspective and say, hey, I'm still on track. You know, even with this downturn, 10% drop in the market or whatever the case may be, you can see the big picture and focus on kind of where you're heading 10 or 20 years down the road, not where you are today in the last three months or Mm -hmm. whatever the stock market has thrown at us. Right. So, okay, great topic. And that leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, Steve, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We had <clears throat> Melanie Holmes on the uh, podcast. Uh, she is uh, the owner of Savvy um, Tech Training, and um, she's she's really good specifically with uh, security. And and so we've we've had um, had her in you know a couple times in in a couple different uh, fashions. And one of the questions that we you know ask her and talk to her is: Should I freeze my credit? for my kids. So, um, you know, I, my kids are now 23 and 20 and, um, you know, young adults, but there are kids that are two, four, six, you know, whatever. Right. And so the question is, is should you freeze the credit for, for your kids, regardless of what their ages are? And the general answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, that's right. I think it's, the risk is lower for your kids, right? Cause they don't have, you know, a an 850 FICO score where they could go get, you know, 30,000. Somebody couldn't open probably a $30,000 credit card in their name very easily. Um, so I think the risk is lower if you're kids and they don't have a lot of assets to just quote lose, you know, at that point, but it makes perfect sense to, to do it for your kids too, just to protect them just so they don't have the hassle of having somebody steal their credit and try to open a bunch of things in their name and then have to go try to clear up their credit. So I think, uh, yeah, freezing your credit for your kids makes some sense. Mm -hmm. Good. It really does. So great question of the week. All right. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is home security, how to protect yourself. Yeah. Part of being savvy with your money, John, is protecting what you have as well, Um, protecting your property. You know, and a few weeks ago, we talked about the protection of your personal identity, as we just alluded to and how to avoid scams on the internet. So now we're going to talk about how to protect yourself and your property from the thieves and burglars out there, you know, at your home um, that would come by and case your joint and try to break in. In fact, we actually had a taste of this just yesterday um, here at the office where our office video surveillance system came in very handy at identifying someone who went into a car in an adjoining parking lot um, the guy next door stopped by and he had noticed that our cameras were were on our building, you know, facing out to their parking lot out there um, after his truck was broken into. And so he wanted to know if our surveillance system had caught someone, you know, or recorded the act. And sure enough, we pulled it up on our system and we saw the suspect open the truck door and went into his vehicle. You know, he he left. Um the, the guy that came over and looked at the surveillance left. He went and called the police. A little while later, uh, the police came and, you know, took a look at our high-definition footage. We have a really a state-of-the-art surveillance system here on our building. And, uh, yeah, this person was walking through our parking lot, went through their parking lot, looking at the vehicles and, mm-hmm. you know, went in this guy's vehicle. 
Um, of course, if we hadn't had a great camera system, then there would have been no way to have any idea who committed this crime or if it really, if they really took anything. So now the sheriff has, you know, a terrific lead on, you know, who they're looking for. In fact, the officer that was here said that our surveillance footage was the highest definition, clearest surveillance footage he's ever seen. That's good. So, uh, so it's really good. Yeah. I mean, we go to great lengths here to protect our property and our clients information here at the office and our property at home too. And so we have a security system, both places. We have video surveillance systems here at the office, and I have one at home as well. And, uh, you know, when I moved out to the country, me and Kathy did uh, 25 years ago on a five-acre track in the woods, security was one of my biggest concerns. And almost all the houses around us have had some kind of incident where somebody either broke in or stole some property from their from their homes, um, around their homes. I'm pleased to say I've never been a victim of that because we've always practiced pretty prudent security measures. Are you that Are you that crazy guy up on the hill that fires off his shotgun? Is that why? <laughs> a little bit. I'm a little bit. You, you got know, a little, little twitch to you. I got a little twitch to me about security. Right. I am definitely uh, a little <laughs> sensitive to it. And, uh, but no, I mean, I don't sit outside with a shotgun, but, uh, you know, I definitely have some things going on at home to kind of make you think twice before you'd come try to break in, you know, but every year, I mean, John, there's over 2 million homes that are violated by burglars and that's a burglary every 15 seconds. So we're going to talk about some tips here out of bottom line personal from a former burglar who actually stole $70 million in jewelry during his career it's pretty good yeah he was pretty pretty <laughs> lucrative with his uh jewelry thieves the uh you know acts and um so we're going to talk about how to avoid that how to protect your property and so here's what he has to say about the most common mistakes that people make um when trying to protect their home yeah mistake number one is leaving the burglar alarm off when you're out running around for a few minutes i mean nearly all houses robbed that had an expensive alarm system um they weren't turned on at all and um you know so you can have that system but if it's not in place and it's not used then it's not going to help you obviously uh sophisticated burglars they watch neighborhoods they learn when residents uh, go to work run errands how long they're they're likely to be out, and um, they're ready to move the minute that they leave. So take the time to set your alarm, no matter how long you're you're planning to be out. It only takes five minutes to rob a house once the burglar's in the area and uh, kind of understands the situation. So if you have one, use it. You definitely want to make sure it's turned on. Yeah, the next one here is posting detailed alarm signs. Um, you know, if you have a sign that identifies the company ADT or somebody, you know, outside of your house then that kind of gives the burglar a, a lot of information. You know, now they know what kind of system you have and they can download a diagram of how that particular system is most likely wired. Um, and also many homeowners neglect to remove the administrative default code in their system. So, you know, I mean, that's a known, that's a known code for the burglars for sure if they know what kind of system you have. So, um, you know, once an experienced burglar sees what kind of system you have, all they have to do is go try the administrative codes on your system. Uh, so you want to avoid that. Just don't, don't, you know, just put a generic sign outside that you buy from a home supply store, Home Depot or someplace that says this house is protected by an alarm system. 
or just make it really obvious and have cameras outside mm-hmm. things that they would see, you know, red light, you know, uh, alarm panels that can be visible from the door or something. We have a sign coming into our driveway that says, if you can read this sign, you're being videoed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that at your house. That's a great idea. It really is. Um, okay, so the next mistake here, though, is hiding valuables in the bedroom. Um, you know, it's the first place that a burglar would look would be like your underwear drawer or under the mattress in a closet on a high shelf, etc. You know, keep money or jewelry that you rarely wear wear in a safety deposit box out of your house. Um, and, you know, hide other valuables in places where burglars don't think to look, like in the garage, for example, or above ceiling tiles. Hide valuables in the freezer in a fake soup can for that's made for that purpose. You can get those. That's pretty handy to have. You know, if you have silver gold coins, you need to have a good safe. That's the bottom line. I mean, burglars, they'll break in for a quick $200 grab of jewelry, um, and they'll certainly go for extremes of thousands of dollars, you know, of things like metals. If you have items that won't fit in a fake soup can, then buy a safe that weighs hundreds of pounds. Put it in a place that's not easy to spot, like in a utility room disguised as a cabinet. If they find the safe, then that's going to be bad because they're going to know that it has valuables in it. And they're going to try really hard to open it or carry it off. Or worse yet, they may wait till somebody comes home to force you to open it. So, you know, they may even come back with better tools. So it's not a good situation. So if you have a safe, make sure you put it in a spot where they can't find it. Yeah, number four here is, um, mistake number four is getting a big dog. I mean, it may look scary, um, but, you know, they can be bought off with a cheeseburger, right? That's true. Throw throw a slab of meat over there and they'll go running. The, The better ones are the yappers, the small dogs. They don't realize they're small. They, they're they sometimes mean. Uh, chihuahuas are come into to play. Uh, we actually have signs out on our house that show beware of dogs, and we have them posted everywhere mm. um, just to let people know that you know, we do have dogs in there. They don't know if they're small or big, but um, it does communicate that we have you know animals that they would have to at least you know deal with. Deal with, yeah. I think dogs are a pretty good deterrent. Actually, though, a better deterrent, though, is a video surveillance system. Um, because burglars hate getting their picture taken, just like the guy that we we uh, mm-hmm. had video of yesterday. I mean, outside cameras, even fake cameras will deter most burglars before they even get close enough to <clears throat> see if anyone is home. Um, you know, this is one of the first things they look for a professional burglar when they're approaching a house. They make sure so make sure they're reasonably big. They're visible from all angles of the house. I love when I drive up at night and I can see that the the red mm-hmm. LEDs yeah. on my camera system. I'm like, you know, that's a real good sign yes, for is. people that drive up when they see the LEDs on there. So, uh, you know, the next mistake here is hiding windows with landscaping. So you want to make sure your shrubs and and everything around your house is below window level. So it's it's clearly visible, you know, that you can look through the windows. They can't hide behind mm-hmm. the landscaping. Yeah, number six here is leaving the lights on. That's kind of surprising. Um, you know, burglars like to see what they're doing inside. So if you leave lights on, then that helps them. Another uh, option there is get ones that have timers that come on and off. So it, yeah. it uh, maybe throws them off a little bit or a fake uh, TV LED light are also effective as well. So, you know, just leaving a light on doesn't necessarily deter um, a burglar. Yeah, and the last mistake here, though, John, is having your newspaper or mail delivery stopped while you're away. Now, this is one you wouldn't think of. 
Um, you may trust your mail and newspaper carriers, but the fact is that you don't know who else is getting that information. So keep your plans quiet. Have a neighbor or close friend pick up your mail or newspaper and ask them to drop by at different times of the day to check on the place. Um, the more activity burglars see, the less likely they are to target your house. Leaving a garage door up while, you know, to display a car in the garage is also a great deterrent, um, but only if there's really a car there, okay? And most people, you know, they close their garage doors when they're away, so leaving one up will cast some doubt in burglars' minds about whether you're home. And you might also move a car out of the garage and put it in the driveway while you're on vacation. You know, have a car sitting on the driveway kind of gives the appearance that someone is visiting your house um, or that you have a house sitter. So, um, so anyway, I mean, that's that, those are the, the items that you want to make sure that you do while you're uh, trying to protect your property at your house. And, uh, you know, just to, just take be vigilant to protect, you know, your property as well as you would your personal information online. But that leads us up here to our last thing, which is the prescription of the week. Yeah, we've again we go back to the security theme. Uh, Equifax just had a uh, a bust. Uh, 140 million Americans had their information stolen. You hear it time and time again. A couple of years ago, the state of South Carolina had their uh, information stolen. Um, Target. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. And one of the best ways to protect your your credit is to freeze it. And uh, we talked about freezing it for your kids as well. There's three, um, you know, reporting, reporting sites. Agencies. So you have to do it with each one of them. Um, you know, if you live in Georgia, there is some cost. In South Carolina, there's not. You can unfreeze it for a window um, or for a specific vendor. So there are ways that you can work with it as you're out there, you know, buying stuff. But, um, you know, I think this is, it's not a foolproof way, but it's pretty, it's a pretty good measure to, to do. Well, it really is. I mean, it, it's, it, it puts up a barrier for anybody trying to open credit cards or get credit in your name. We, Kathy and I have had our credit frozen for quite a while now. It's really not hard to thought. You can go online and do it, you know, with each of the agencies. Just find out which agency you need to thought with, you know, Experian, Equifax, or TransUnion. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to freeze your credit. It doesn't cost anything most of the time. If it does, it's pretty minimal so that would be a foolproof step, I think, to really help protect your 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 credit and your identity. So um, yeah, they can get the information, but if they can't open credit cards in your name, yeah, then it kind of blocks them. They'll go somewhere it, else. It blocks them, right? So I think that's a great step, great prescription of the week. Okay, well that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. And give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Smart Mr. Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.